Hey, thank you, Ben. I love that we can have a diversity in worship, and we can have a full band, we can have acoustic, and what I love most, I mean, I love the worship here, um, but what I love most is I just get taken up and, and taken away, and hearing you sing and all of us sing together, and I, I know Ryan, you know, he's practicing, and he's getting better on the guitar, um, you know, and Gene, Gene is too, and you know, so you know, we've got some guys that can play, and I love that, but what is so great is it's not about that. It is about just, I can just imagine what God is thinking, you know, just hearing us sing. And it just, it does something for me, and I love that. Um, we're going to be teaching about worship in a couple weeks, but uh, we've been teaching through the book of Matthew for about five and a half months, and um, I think that uh, it's, it's time to visit our core values. When we launched this church, uh, we had a core team of about 29 people in January, and we sat in a living room. And we prayed and, and shared the vision for Marine Creek Church and shared those core values and, and really just spent time dreaming and praying about what uh, this work of God could look like. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. We launched publicly in March, and then uh, we're about five and a half months into our public journey. So if you think about it, we haven't learned to walk yet, and uh, we're, still, we're still in diapers. So that's the infancy of our church. But but it's amazing. God is bringing us along very quickly. So I want us to revisit our core values this week. And for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to do. And I've had many of you that have come to join us on this journey over the last five months that have asked about membership. And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Um, we're going to look at membership a little differently here. Because I believe that to be a member of a, of a community of, or a church um, should require a commitment not just something we sit together and check a card and say we're members and, and I'm a, I'm a card-carrying Christian now, you know. I don't know. But let me, let me tell you what kind of bar has been set. Uh, this core team of 29 people and these families, um, we, we have met, we prayed, we have invested time, resources. We have spent time on our knees. We have spent time in tears. We have spent time with each other knowing that God wants to do an amazing work in this community, and he wants to do it through us. So I feel that it would be very um, remiss on my part to lower that bar. And, and I know membership and may not be for everybody, and that's okay. You do not have to be a member to come to church here. Please don't, uh, please don't think that, that we're just a little, little club. Um, I will leave first, so and then you guys can figure out what to do with the equipment. But... Um, this is about us as a community that come together. And so membership is going to look like this. What does that look like to expand that core base of people that were all committed to the vision of this, this church? This vision didn't come from me, by the way. This came from God. And, and so you can blame him. But I'm going, to, I'm going to speak it. I'm going to live it with every bit of conviction that I've got. And so if you don't like it, you can blame me, but you can blame God too. So... Today we're going to go through our core value, or our first of four core values, over the next four weeks. Those that have expressed interest in being a member or expanding that core, um, in the first of October, we're going to have either a lunch here or a dinner. Um, we're trying to figure out how that works. Being a mobile church um, has its advantages, but some disadvantages. We're thinking, was well, a restaurant? Can we leave the kids at the courtyard and the adults go to rest? So you just, you could just. If you could be a fly on the wall in some of our planning meetings, you would just, you'd be amazed. So I want to start this week, though, 
um, with community. Um, and our mission here at the at Marine Creek Church is very simple. Our mission is to glorify God through lives changed by the message of Jesus, period. I mean, it's not, and, 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 you know, I mean, a lot of ministries and organizations, they get that core focus, and then when they see, but if we change it here, we could reach a little bit more people. Oh, if we change it here, no. It, we exist, we were created to bring glory to our Creator. We exist to serve God. And we will bring glory back to God through lives changed by the message of Jesus. Because it's only through the message of Jesus that we can have transformation in our life. Period. And that's our mission. That's our goal. I mean, when I stand before God, I want to hear, well done, son. Good job. And everything in my life points to give God glory. Remember a couple weeks ago, if it doesn't give God glory, take it out. You probably wouldn't miss that activity anyway. So let's, let's go through and talk about it. Our core values, though, are, are truth, worship, community, and missional living. And I put those on your notes. Um, but we're going to start with community because I, I, I want to hit this today because we've got community groups coming up. So there's a little bit of marketing in there. Yes, shameless plug. Um, and, uh, but community groups go beyond, or community goes beyond these groups. Um, and so if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. I know that's a shock to hear. You were thinking Matthew, right? You were going to think, okay, what, what part of Matthew is he going? No, no, no. There's other books in the Bible. There's 65 other books that we're going to hit. So, and we're not in a hurry to get through all of the Bible here. You know, we, we want quality, not quantity. Um, but here's the thing to understand that, that churches, as, as we reach people, and it's not even us reaching people, but as God brings people that he wants to connect with, with our community and ultimately connect with him because that's what it's all about. There's a, there's a common theme there. It's connection. And, and we have to get plugged in. We have to get into some relationships with people. There has to be a layer and a level of vulnerability to have community. And community did not start with creation. I mean, we, we tend to think that when God created Adam... Adam was alone, and it was not good, so he created a woman. And, you know, I don't know why it came out that way. <laughs> and God created ladies. Um, he said, let there be community. No, community existed before creation. Um, community existed with God before eternity began. If you think about it, the, the, the very nature of who God is, um, you, you, we call him a triune God. And by the way, we're going to get into some doctrine today and some some theology. And so we might leave here with a little bit of tired head, but we're, we're going to get through it. But the, the triune nature of God, or the Trinity, you might have heard, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and people have tried to resolve that in their minds. Can I fully understand it? No. Do I believe it? You bet. I, I put my life on that. Um, and it's not different manifestations of God where, where, where you've got God and he puts on a Jesus hat and he shows up on earth. He's like, hey, I'm Jesus, but I'm God. And then you've got God that puts on the father hat. Maybe that's like a, like a cowboy hat or something. And he's like, I'm God the father today. Or maybe it's a fedora, like a, an Italian guy, like I'm God the father. But, um, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Or he puts on, you know, another hat for the Holy Spirit. No, they are not different manifestations of God. They are God. Now, think about it this way, and I know there's a lot of analogies out there, but I am, I am Matt. This, this 
body that you see before you is Matt. My mother and father named me Matt. And I am a son, I am a father, I'm a pastor, and I'm, I'm all kinds of things. And I don't wear those, di- those are different hats I wear. And, but if I were to show up, all of me shows up. And, and some of you talk to me as a pastor, as a friend. You know, my parents talk to me as a son. I talk to Heather as a husband. My kids look to me as a father. And so I am, this is Matt. And God is God. And there's, there, it is three in one. That's the easiest way I can explain it. But the Trinity is perfect community. If you think about it, they live perfectly together. They're cooperating They're working together. They're loving each other. Just as Jesus loves the Father, the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Spirit. It's all all interwoven. And each is submitting to each other. I mean, we honor Jesus because he submitted his will to the Father and died a death on a cross so that we could have life. And there's submission. It's a beautiful relationship. It's a perfect relationship. We don't have any of those. I'm sorry. And they're not here either. But the Trinity is a picture of perfect community. It is in the DNA of God to have community with himself. And think about that small group. They'd probably, they're probably getting ready to watch the Cowboys tonight. And, and they're probably like, okay, no help, okay? I mean, no help. Please help. Come on. Somebody said seven and nine for the year. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go into counseling. Um, but our community should flow out of what we see from God. And our relationships and the way we connect with other people should be an overflow of how we see God interact with himself. If you think about it, community is this. I break it down. It's common unity. We have something in common and we're unified under that. It, we're all different. And that, I love that about us. I mean, when God made you, he broke the mold and made a new mold. That is, it's amazing to me. I love that we as a community, as a church, we're all different. And those are good. Differences are good. And what unifies us is faith. Jesus unifies us as believers. So we have common unity. We're different, but we're, we're all under the banner of Jesus. And I love that about us. And, and what unites us under that faith is doctrine. You know, doctrine is that foundation and the core beliefs that we pull from Scripture. And let, let me share with you some of, some of our doctrine, because that doctrine should unite us on faith. People ask, what kind of church are you? Because, sadly, there have been churches out there that have given people a false impression or a bad taste about what a church is. We are a non-denominational church, and we follow Jesus. We preach the Bible. We will preach every word of the Bible. I believe every word in the Bible, even when it says bonded and genuine leather. I mean, I believe it all. God spoke it. It's there. I believe it. And, and that is the truth. We are a non-denominational church, which means we're not going to get caught up in the junk of doctrine, of arguing like old men sitting in a room. We're going to live the gospel. And if you want to think about uh, like what type of church we're a reformed church. And the way I can sh- prove to you and show you a reformed church is there's five Latin phrases that go back to the Reformation in church history. I know this is exciting stuff. But it's, it, the, those five Latin phrases, the first one is sola scriptura. It's scripture alone. Scripture is the authority for truth. 
Scripture is not the only thing I read. I mean, we get National Geographic in my house. I read all kinds of books. I'm not a great reader, so I watch a lot of shows about science and about history. And I, I take all this in, but this is the standard with which I measure truth in my life. This is God's Word. And it's only Scripture that gives us the authority of truth and the nature of God. Sola Scriptura. The other one is Sola Gratia. It's grace alone. There's nothing we can do to work ourselves into the kingdom of heaven. Period. It is by grace that we are saved. It is God's grace. The way that grace is opened is through the cross. In sola fide, it's faith alone. Faith in Christ, through, or through faith, we receive grace. And so it's faith that allows me to have a relationship I know some of this may sound weird because you may have been brought up that, that you have to be good enough or you have to do the right things in order for God to love you. That's junk. That's religious baggage that we need to drop at the door. If you need help, we'll figure out how to help you get that off of you. But it's faith only, grace only, Scripture. The other one is sola Christi. It's Christ alone. It's only, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It is Jesus alone, Christ alone. And then the last one is sola dea gloria. It's for God's glory alone. Everything we do is for God's glory. Period. Everything. And that, that, that's a core, and that's the heart of doctrine for us as a church. And so we need to be ourselves. We need to be who we are but we need to be who we are so desperately in love with Jesus that that transforms us and shapes us from the inside. And there's a lot of things that come up in churches and, and we're going to be very open and honest as a community because I think a lot of this, the damage that happens in churches is people are afraid to talk about certain things and we're going to talk about it all. I mean, it, it is an open book. And so one thing that you'll hear me talk about, and some of you have heard me talk about this in the past, is open hand, closed hand concept. And and let me explain that to you. As a church, we will have things open handed and we will have things closed handed. Those that are open handed are debatable. We'll talk about those. We'll leave it here. We can have some conversation. I'm not going to argue with you about them, but we'll talk about it and we'll we'll, we'll see where God leads us. The closed-handed are non-negotiables. They're closed because I got a fist and I will beat you with it. I mean, this is what I hold on to. This is the core and the essence of the DNA of a church. So what's in the open hand? You know, some of the things in open hand, you know, can I have wine with dinner? You know, football, I've, I've had somebody ask me, so football's coming up, you know, how about a beer? I'm like, put that in the open hand. If alcohol is something that you struggle with and is in your past, then no. Don't do it. But let's not fight and smack each other around about that. You know, in, in the, what, 70s and things, there was a, a whole thing about Christians and dancing. You know, Kevin Bacon and Footloose, you know, we got to cut loose. He brought out David in the court. But dancing is open-handed. Now, I'm convinced that some of y'all shouldn't because I, I, I've been dancing. I'm one of those. I am, I am. No rhythm, white to the core. I look like I'm having a seizure. And it ain't dancing. I'm amusing other people, okay? 
Now, now, you put me at a wedding reception, throw on some Sinatra, it's on, baby. I don't know what I'm doing, but Heather likes it, and I'm like, okay, she likes it, this is working, keep it going. But I'm not even going to give you an example, because, I mean, I, I really look like I've got this, uh, you just, you know. So some Christians shouldn't dance, but if it's not a temptation to lead you into other things, then, then leave it in the open hand. You know, it, we've, got to, we've got to get our hands open on some of the things. Some of the movies that we watch, here's what I would say about that. You need to pray about it and let God lead you on that. There's some movies that really scare me out right now. And you need to, I'm not, we're not going to get into a church that's going to bash all of this stuff because it's open-handed. Closed-handed are things that are open-handed. I was listening to the radio and they were talking about the different ideas and thoughts about when Jesus is coming back. And I get tongue-tied even trying to think about them. I mean, they're like, ah, millennialism, premillennialism. See, I'm getting there now. All these things, and there's people calling in. And these are Christians calling on this radio show, arguing with each other. I'm like, that's open-handed, man. You know, you can debate about when Jesus is coming back, closed-handed. He's coming back. He said he's coming back. I can put my life on that, and that's going to go in my closed hand. We're not going to debate if he's coming back. We're not going to debate if he died on a cross. We're not going to debate, is he the only way to heaven? We're not going to debate, did God create Jesus, or was Jesus a perfect man? Did God create the earth? Here's the thing. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on a cross, was raised on the third day. While he was in the tomb, he defeated death, he defeated hell. The power of the Holy Spirit raised him on the morning of the third day so that he could be our sacrifice for us to have life. My hand is wrapped around that. And I will go to the grave and I will stand in the presence of God with my hand wrapped around that. It's not even a Charlton Heston from my cold, dead hands. You won't get it from my cold, dead hands because he who lives will never die. (laughs) So anyway, that's preaching now. Um, What I love about this open-handed, closed-handed is is it helps us define, is that something we should engage in, in conversation about? You know what I mean? And, and for us, let, let's stay on the closed hand of things. And let's not put things in the closed hand that don't belong there. And be, be, willing to, be willing to really look at that. Be careful about what goes in the closed hand. I'm convinced most churches split because they end up fighting and bickering over open-handed issues. And it becomes about uniformity. And I want you to be just like me. I struggle with this, so you should too. I've been freed from this, so you should too. And we get into this idea of uniformity. That's not community. That's a mess. That's nonsense. And we're not going to get into that. So now that we're done preaching, let's get into teaching here. Go to Acts chapter 2. I get very excited about that. I get very passionate about us as a church. Because there's a lot that God wants us to do in our area. And if we're too busy bickering and fighting and and gossiping and, and nitpicking about the issues we have just within our own community, I'll tell you... I don't want to be a part of that. And you'll see me go to an unhappy place. And and instead of preaching and teaching, man, we're going to go straight up. We are going to fix this issue. Because until we can get past this and understand what our mission is and why we're here, there's no way we're going to impact the world. And that's why we're here is to impact the world. Not so we can feel comfortable in this little room and think about how good we are and how good we've, we've made it. I don't want to be a part of that. And you don't either. You might for a little while, but you'll eventually, it, it just, it's not fulfilling. 
because I'm not going to be funny enough. The band's not going to be good enough. You know, you're going to say, you're going to wake up and go, wait, we meet in a courtyard. We meet at children. We meet at daycare. No. The community. We're the community. So let's talk about seven characteristics of, the, of authentic community. Um, go to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 42. And Acts chapter 2 is a, a chapter that is amazingly full of church history. It is, I mean, it is, it, there are books written just on this one chapter. And the Acts chapter 2 is where the uh, disciples stand up in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit has, has descended because Jesus said, uh, when I leave, one is who is coming it was greater than I that you need, you want. This counselor is coming. And so the counselor came. And so God just starts turning the world right side up. And his disciples, these messed up men, are who he's using to do it. And I love it. And so there's a lot going on here. But um, the thing is, all of these people that heard the message of Jesus were transformed by it. The 3,000 people in one afternoon of all different nationalities, different races, different ethnic, um, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different demographics. There was diversity going on here. And I love that because what unified them was doctrine, was faith, was Jesus. And so what has to happen is when Jesus transforms us, he needs to connect us. He needs to put the body together. And in Acts 2.42, that's what starts to happen. So let's start there. Um, they devoted themselves, this, these are the people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. You know, here's the interesting thing. Devotion is the first, is the first key component of authentic community. The people were devoted to each other and to the teaching. So they were united under this doctrine. They were united under this teaching of Jesus. They were united under God. But they devoted themselves. That meant they had to work for this. I mean, think about your schedule. To be in community with somebody means you're going to have to adjust your schedule. If your schedule's like mine, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we had, we had something get canceled one night this week, and we're like, we got an empty night. What are we going to do? So we had, you've got to work for it. To have authentic community and to have relationships with other people, you've got to work for it. You've got to be devoted to making time to make it happen. And then they ate together. I love this. There's always, food is good, you know? And food brings people together and helps you feel like you've, you've just enjoyed time together. I mean, I love it. We had, we had dinner Friday night with some people in the church. Love it, man. Food, good conversation, good people. It's, always, it's all good. You know, but let me let me tell you something. You know, you may go out to eat with other people, but let me let me help you with something, because Christians have this scent about us. You know, it, we have this look. I don't, I can't explain it, but waiters know it. And so when you go out to eat, tip. Don't be a jerky Christian. I mean, and and don't leave some like thing that says Jesus loves you, because TXU is not going to take that. I mean, when you go to a restaurant, and, and Heather and I love this. We can go to a restaurant, and we're like, Christians? Yeah. Oh, pastors. Yes. We can pick the pastors out. Like, uh-huh. And then you're just, you can just you know it. Think about it. You go to a restaurant on Sunday afternoon. You see people that don't look like they should be eating together, eating together. 
like, yeah, that's, that's, that's Christians. That's community. But you know what? Tip. You know, be nice to your servers. And I'm just saying that because I'm, I'm tired of tired of us getting a bad rap. You know, tip well. So, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got some servers up in here, and they know it. You know, so I'm going to start getting like amens and shoutbacks on that now. Um, moving right along. <laughs> moving right along. They prayed together. It, it says that they... Uh, they would devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, breaking bread, and prayer. They spent time with each other, taking those needs to God. And here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I love about our community. You're willing to be honest and open about what you're struggling with. And that is something that I love. We will protect that. That is very dear to me and very dear to our community. And we take that seriously. But we go to God with that. There's some heavy things going on in our community. And we've got to spend time praying. We've got a prayer room. We have people that that are are praying for you during the week. And I love that about our community. But that's that's an element and component of authentic community. Let's let's move on. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The third characteristic is miracles. Um, and let me, let me say this. Miracles happen in the context of community. And, and a lot of times we get hung up on miracles. Like, I just want to see God do a miracle. You, know, you just took a breath. There you go. I mean, the only way that we have life is God continues to give it to us. You just took another breath. There's another miracle. You were able to see these words on the screen. There's a miracle. I mean, you, were, you are here today. That's a miracle. We tend to think that, that, that in community, God needs to, to do the big things, and we can sit back and watch it. And I really think that reduces Jesus to a little pink poodle that we want to jump through a hoop that we set on fire. And God says, I desire to work through you. God wants to work through his kids. I really believe God wants to save the world, and God will save the world, and he wants to do it through his kids. You see, miracles don't allow me to sit on the sideline and be lazy and expect God to do something like, you know, God, I know this person's struggling to make their finances this month, and so you need to step in and do something when I'm sitting here with the money to help them. Miracles come in to make up for what I lack, not what I'm not willing to do. And miracles happen all the time in the context of our community. There are things that happen, and I know we're, we're not a large community, but there are things that happen that, that I hear about now secondhand, where needs are getting met. Things are happening. People are praying for each other. God is doing stuff. Checks are anonymously showing up. Because I guess it wouldn't be an anonymous check if it's a check, because your name's on the check. But you get the point. And I love that. And, and it says that they were done by the apostles, but here's the thing. Um, let me let me help you with some church struggle here. We are a grassroots level. You know, the leaders don't do everything here. And that's where we start to share that. We're family style here. And we all have a function, we all have a role, and we need to we need to if you need help, we'll help you find that role, but all get involved. And so the miracles in our community happen at a grassroots level. 
It's all of us getting in and saying, God, here's what I got. Use me. Do something big through me. And when you allow God that opportunity, you'll see some miracles happen. I promise you that. You know, you may not see somebody go walking across Eagle Mountain Lake, but you're going to see miracles. And when you stop to reflect and say, God, that was you. That was you stepping in to supplement what I'm putting on the table. I mean, it's like me saying, here's what I got, and God exponentially magnifies it. And something even bigger than what I was dreaming happens. We're grassroots level. I mean, we're a little bit of structure about our church is, is we have a, we're a non-denominational church, as I've said. We've got a business board that helps us oversee the business of the church because that's the no bueno, no fun side of a church. And then we have staff and, and leaders. And those, those leaders, are we're moving them into an elder position. I believe that's something that takes time. And so our staff and, and leaders pray for the direction of this ministry. They pray for you. They pray for the decisions. I mean, some of the decisions that we talk and labor over, and then we make. And we don't vote. I think voting gets into a lot of just junk. And voting gets into more of a power struggle than the issue, because people are like, well, do I have enough power? Is my vote going to count? That's not what it's about. This is about getting the name of Jesus to our community. It's loving Jesus and making him clear. And when we get caught up in the politics of church, man, we just stifle. And we, we are a lean machine, and we will run lean as long as possible. Because any money in this ministry, I want it in ministry. I don't want it paying for buildings. We'll, we'll pay staff when we can. I'm, I'm the only paid staff member of our church. And we will stay lean and mean. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been able to give away quite a bit of money to schools and to ministries and to organizations to say, here, you're taking the ball down the field and we can help equip you to do so. I would much get that's God. I mean, I would much rather I would much rather spend our money on ministry than ourselves. You follow me on that? And so miracles here are grassroots level. Let's go on before I get really going. Um, the next one is uh, Acts 2.44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Ali, put this picture up here for everybody. Um, this is what a lot of times community is like in the church. You like that? Um, this this symbols symbolizes most churches. Um, you've got 80,000 people in the stands in desperate need of exercise. And you've got 22 people on the field in desperate need of rest. And and we call this unity. We call this community, that this is a church. That's wrong. Unity is everybody working together. It's not the 80,000 sitting and watching the 22 guys destroy themselves and kill themselves. Because eventually those 22, they're going to jump in the stands. And if you've grown up in church, if you've been around church then you understand this, that, that you, you volunteer, you're like, uh, uh, help. And then, boom, you just get burnt out. 
you get thrown on the field and you're like, okay, I want you to run kickoff. Then you're going to run offense and you're on defense and special teams. And then, oh, by the way, while you're not on the field, you know those few seconds where there's the changeover, can you get people water? Because these guys are tired. And you get burned out and you're like, I am done, done, no more. And then you take a timeout. You're not even in the, in the stadium. You're sitting on the couch recouping. And then you're like, I'm going to try this church thing again. You step in. And again, Christians have that scent. And pastors are like, you serve. Come on, I've got the place for you. Now, I want you to run offense. I want you to run defense. And you're like, ah. I am more interested in our community being in this for the long haul than having burnout. I want our people to serve because it's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. Not for me. But you, really, honestly, you're serving God, but it's more for you than it is for me. It's more for you than it is for someone else because God's able to do something in you and through you and, and do this work. I have no way of explaining it, but it's God. And I desire us to be unified, and there will be times that you need to be sitting on the bench, but there's times you need to be in the game. There's times that you may need to be in the rehab center so that we can help you and get you well and get you healthy so that you can go the long haul. I want our community in this for the long haul. And when you serve, pray about this, and it's, this is not your out, but don't serve in a way that's going to neglect your family. It would be wrong for you to serve while your family gets destroyed. I'm the same way. I will not pastor this church if it's going to jeopardize my family. They come first. And I want us to have unity. Unity is means we watch out. We have it in common. We have a common goal. And we're focused on the same thing. Acts 2.45 Um, they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as he had need, as they had need. Another characteristic of authentic community is giving and neediness. And this is not a, a manifesto. This is not a. This isn't where Christianity now becomes communism. Like, oh, you're in the church now. Huh? We need your bank account. We need your credit report. Um, we need no. And this, this didn't go to, the, when they sold their possessions and they gave, it didn't go to the apostles, it didn't go to the church leaders, it didn't go to, to building programs, it didn't go to anything, it went to ministry, it went to needs. And this wasn't just the rich in the church, because when, when that happens, and I get so frustrated when someone comes into the church, and, and if, you, if you got money, I'm glad for you, but I'm going to treat you the same. Because I get frustrated in churches where we expect the rich to carry the entire church. It's all of us. We, we don't have any multimillionaires here. And this, we are here because the faithfulness of all of us. I mean, we, Heather and I, we're the first ones to give. It's all of us putting in what we can and what God has called us to. And it's, it's, it's bringing our gifts, but it's also bringing our needs. Because community is sharing gifts and needs. 
I mean, God's given me this. Hey, I'm bringing it to the community. It doesn't mean that you've got to go sell everything you got, bring the money to the church, say, okay, let's divide it out. That's not what's going on here. It's kind of like, it's, it'd be kind of like, uh, oh, somebody needs a car. Okay, I've got, I've got an extra car. Um, so I'm going to, I'm just going to give them the car. I mean, it's not a big hoopla fanfare ordeal, but it's us finding out about the need and meeting it. My mentor, Pastor Dustin with Mosaic Church, you, some of you have met him, and he will be here this fall, made a comment to me last weekend. He said, I believe that for every need that exists in a church, God has brought a person with the gift to meet that need. And I think God does that. Again, there's another miracle, that God will bring somebody with a need, but he'll also bring somebody with an ability to meet that need. And it, I believe that that's what God does in churches all over the world. It's just we fail to recognize it. And we get so caught up on what can we give, what can we give, what can we give. Why don't we look at needs? And let me, let me tell you this. Don't, don't be ashamed or afraid to bring a need to your church community. I hear people say, I'm sorry to bother you with this, but you're not bothering me. This is what we do. This is why we exist as a church. Don't feel guilty or ashamed about bringing your needs to the church. Now, you, you want to do it in, a, in the right way. I mean, you don't want to sit out in front of the building going, you've got 10 bucks, you know? You know I mean? Sit there with a the cup. I'll walk in, Ryan will be sitting out there with his guitar in the case open, you know? I got needs. The goal is to become less needy. But we all have needs. And those needs have to be met. And as a church, we need to balance that ability. But the goal is to become less needy. The goal isn't to become so dependent on the church taking care of you that you can't take care of yourself. Now, we're going to help you. If you need help, we're going to help you. Because I, I really believe that shared struggles and shared victory builds community. It's that me too attitude I talked about. You know, it, it's you having that vulnerability to say, this is what I'm struggling with. And somebody says, me too. Very comforting words, honestly. Me too. You're struggling with the finances? Me too. You're struggling with addiction? Me too. But I overcame it. And then you share victory. And there's me too in that victory, and you build community. When you walk through a struggle to the other side with someone, you have a bond and a connection with them. That's community. That's, that's where Jesus makes the ground level at the cross, is me too. And my ability to say, I can help you through this. I love you enough. I see, I, I understand you've got a need. I've got a gift put this together and make something happen. <clears throat> 2.46 Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people around them. I'm going to stop there and we'll, we'll, we'll stop there for a second. Um, they met together. Now, this, this one, it says they ate together. This is a reference to communion. 
I mean, when they did communion in the first century and the, the, the early Christians, they didn't do a, a wafer and a cup of juice. You know, they didn't do the juice and the Jesus, you know. They, they, they had a meal around this. I mean, they would have the herbs, they would have the bread, they would have the wine. I mean, they, they went for it, you know. And they would spend time in the temple courts hearing the teachings of the scripture. They would then go and spend time in homes doing the community, eating together, observing the Lord's Supper. And there was favor around them. And so worship is a, was a key element and is a key element of authentic community. And there's two types of worship going on in this verse. The first one is formal worship, and that's in the temple. That's like us gathering here today. This is not not the temple. Our bodies are the temple, as we know in the New Testament. But we're gathering. This is what we would call formal worship. Informal worship is that goes on in homes. Informal worship, honestly, is some of the greatest. It's, it's getting around the kitchen table. Or you don't even make it to the table. You're leaning on the counter, you know. I mean, our kitchen right now is tiny. And last night, we're all like piled in our kitchen, you know. I'm like, yeah, we've got a den, you know. I'm thinking if I ever built a house, I'm going to build the kitchen in the middle of my den. And I'm going to put couches in my kitchen. So that way when people come over, we'll hang out in the kitchen. But I'm going to have a couch to sit on in the kitchen. Because I was sitting on the counter last night, and it was not, not pleasant. Um, but uh, this, I, I hear people, and I, I run into people that, that I'm like, that I know they've fallen out of church, and they, they, they know I'm a, they'll find out I'm a pastor. I'm like, oh, we haven't been to church in a long time. It's like, well, you get in church. Like, well, we do church at home, okay? And we watch it on TV, or I listen to, I podcast, that's my church. I just don't do the whole, like, go to church thing because of the people and, you know, it's just messed up and you get burnt out and all they do is say, give, give, give. And they do that on podcasts. You know, all they do is say, serve. And, you know, and I just, I don't need that. You know, let me, let me help us as a church humble ourselves if that's your attitude. Maybe we need you. Maybe God's given you an ability and a, a way to meet a need that I have. And it's not giving, it's not serving. You may have the ability to meet deep needs in a church community. So don't play that selfish nonsense of I don't need it. Because what you're saying is, God, I don't need to be in community with other people. I don't need to be in relationship with other people. I'm not going to harp on this, but, but we'll just humble ourselves and say maybe we need you. And then the informal worship is, is the beauty of being in the home. And I love what it says is they enjoyed favor with people around them. You know, we tend to get this view that in Christianity, the world should hate us. You know, and I'm convinced most of the persecution that we as the church or as a Christian undergo is because we're jerks. Um, is because we want 15 minutes of fame and FaceTime on CNN and Fox. If we would just be nice and reflect Jesus... Yeah, there's going to be times the world's going to hate us because we've got to take we've got to take the stand, and we'll, we'll but we'll be persecuted for standing up for Jesus, not our own selfish motives. And if we will be nice, I think we can enjoy some favor with people. I mean, how how 
Think about you coming to, to, to a relate. If, you, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, think about how you got there. Was it somebody coming up and saying, you are wrong, you're a sinner. If you don't stop doing that, you're going to go to hell. You know, did, did they scare the hell out of you? Or did they build a, was there a relationship there? I mean, there was a, the, the guy that brought me to Christ where it really just, man, just made sense to me. It was a relationship. And I trusted him. And it wasn't selfish. It wasn't, there was no hidden agenda. It was, then you need life. And here it is. See, what people say about our community, it really is a reflection of Jesus. Acts 2.47. We'll finish that verse. It says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, I, I believe that when we get an authentic community, there's, there's a level of intimacy that starts to happen. And I, I believe intimacy leads to reproduction. I mean, it's, it's the circle of life, you know, the birds and the bees. And I believe when we have healthy, authentic community then it reproduces. But again, that's the miracle of life. It's not the church that reproduces community. It's not the church that grows the kingdom. It's God. I mean, we can come up with catchy marketing things. We can come up with all these nice slogans. We can come up with these ideas to get the news crews out here so that we can, we can get FaceTime. But ultimately, God grows the church. I mean, when you, look, when you look in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's writing, he's like, some of you say, well, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. You know, there's people who follow preachers and churches instead of the kingdom of heaven and Jesus, and they say, well, I follow this preacher because I like the way he teaches. I, follow, I go to this church because I like it. That's fine. But make sure that it's wrapped up around Jesus because he says, you know, Apollos can plant, I can water, but it's God that grows it. And when we have healthy, authentic community, God will grow it. And growth isn't the focus of what we're doing, but let's just, let's just put it in plain and simple terms. As we launch this church, we're farmers. We're planting seeds. We're watering. And you know what? If God's going to give us a harvest, yes. I don't care how big our church gets as long as we're big in community. As long as we know each other, as long as we have authentic relationships with each other, I, that's what I want for our church. Let God decide where this is going. I'll, we'll, we'll stay in this building as long as we can, as long as we can put money into ministry and in our community and to build healthy, authentic, life-changing relationships with each other. Giddy up. And let's go for it. It keeps us lean and mean. It keeps us from fighting about things we don't need to be fighting keeps us focused on our goal. Just when, we, when we're healthy, it grows. And I want us to be healthy. And this whole idea, I think this intimacy thing, it's, it's, it's like the closer we get, the easier it is to get in. It's not that we become a clique and we're all tight, you know, like Red Rover and you can't get in. I think when we're healthy and following Jesus, people can get in easy because we're open we're vulnerable, because we're loving, because we're honest. We're gonna, I, we're, we all struggle. Let's not hide them when we walk in the door. And what does community look like here at Marine Creek? I mean, we, we saw this model in Acts 2. 
So what does it look like for us? I think it's getting past our insecurities and getting past our hang-ups. I think so many times we just don't ask because we're afraid of rejection. I mean, churches end up being like seventh grade dances. And everybody's standing on the wall, you know, like, I'd like to, I'd like to go ask her, but she's probably going to say no. I'll just daydream about it, you know. You know, what am I going to tell mom and dad when I go home? Who'd you dance with? Uh, Mom, I danced with Jesus. It was beautiful. I didn't know if I could dance or and all be still. But, um, <laughs> but I'm convinced that's how churches end up trying to do community. You know, instead of getting into some catchy things, let's just be honest, let's be open, and let's put ourselves out there. I mean, let's make an invitation to dinner. Say, say hey, what are you doing for lunch? You want to grab some lunch? You know, invite, invite someone to your house. That's something that has just disappeared. We're not all axe murderers. If you're worried about that, we'll help you do a background check on someone before you invite them. So I'm thinking about these people to dinner. Can you do a background check on them for me? just want to say, come on, we've gotten to that in our society. Invite people into your home. When you get time in the kitchen, you get to know them. So, so let's, get our, let's get out there. Yeah, let's get involved with, you know, it, the, if you're desiring to be a member... Then, then great, but that's a high bar. But, but you can be involved in community in this church without being a member. We've got community groups kicking off. Ladies, we have a group for you. Um, couples, we have one. It's called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. Um, I have seen this guy, and honestly, he, he's amazing. Joseph and Laura are going to be leading that. If you are married, thinking about getting married or need your marriage fixed, you know, you can just show up. If your marriage is in trouble, you can be like, oh, we're just here to make a stronger marriage. <laughs> Whatever. Just get in the class. Y- your marriage is going to be better for it. He's honest, very honest, and you're going to deal with some issues, but it's good. And outside of that, let's get community rolling by, by spending time together, by making it authentic and not, not thinking everything is perfect. But let's do it. Don't let your insecurities keep you from engaging. So let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much that you've created us and designed us to be in relationship with you and with each other. And Father, I know there's a lot of things and a lot of baggage that gets in our way that keep us from from having healthy relationships. There's baggage that gets in our way from having a relationship with you. Uh, there's baggage that gets in our way from having friends in our life. God, would you help us as a community struggle together uh, to struggle closer to you so that we can have amazing community. And all community is, is common unity, that we can be united together under you. God, we spend time, yeah, we'll spend time worshiping you and eating and doing Bible study, but God, we just really want to get in the trenches of life with each other. 
And God, we know that level of vulnerability can, can bring some challenges. But God, we know that you've called us to bring this one. Father, I just ask that, that you help us to begin to center our, our focus. Help us to be in relationship with you. Help us to close our hands around a faith that, Jesus, you died so that we could have this relationship. You died so that we could have this life. You live, Jesus, through your resurrection so that we can have a living, breathing relationship with you. And Father, you just didn't die for us individually. You died for us all so that we could be united in relationship. Help us to... to to show ourselves friendly. I mean, you, you tell us if we want friends to be friendly. Help us to be friendly. And God, I know, I, I know that every one of us in this room desires to have just fulfilling relationships. And God, when we ask and, and when we're asked, help us to recognize an opportunity to be unified with you and with Help us to celebrate who we are, how different in our individual individuality. But God help us to be united under Jesus. Help our families, help our marriages. God help us this week to glorify you and everything.